0: This is Chris, and this is Andrew, and welcome to the next episode of Video Games Cover to Covers, continuing coverage of The Witcher Three. This is episode eighteen. Is that right? Nineteen. Nineteen. This is episode nineteen. I totally knew that. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. What session thirty-two? Yeah, that that makes knew. a difference. I knew it was session thirty-two. The thirty-second episode total, nineteenth of Witcher Three. Thirty weeks we've been doing uh, this. Thirty-two weeks. It's yeah, we're we're over halfway through a year at this point. And over half of the existence of this podcast has been this one game. Almost two-thirds of it this <laughs>
1: 19 episodes Almost. just for Witcher, which at this point, so I'm well into blood and wine now. Me too, yeah. It deserves it.
0: I mean, I'm not far enough in to make a full judgment on whether I'm going to like it or Heart of Stone better, but I will say the amount of content and like the, is very good. I already like it
1: better for reasons that I will explain okay. in probably another episode.
0: Okay. But for now, we have to get back to... In the, finishing Heart of Stone. Finishing Heart of so Stone. So that we can dive into Blood and Wine proper. And here's the thing.
1: We stopped last time. And I'm still annoyed about that. I still feel like we owed it to people to keep going. But you know, maybe I'll just give everybody a little extra this time. And here's the other thing: is I don't, I can't even remember what
0: we stopped off at. Uh, we had just finished the third wish. We hadn't even gone back yet, but we finished doing it. The rose. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, because right. that was one of the things that we specifically needed to talk about was go, re- reporting back on the third wish. Yeah,
1: that whole scene. Uh, so, I guess we'll get right into it. Yeah. We go back and meet Old Geared at the same tavern. Well, no, he's not there. Because he said he was lit. Well, we're supposed to go back and meet Old Geared at the same tavern. We've met him every single well,
0: time. No, even, even before. He no, said he wasn't going to be there. Okay. He
1: said he wouldn't be there. Okay, I was going to make sure. But like, we're supposed to go back. To yes. The whole point is we're in the same tavern. Okay, yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Correct. We walk into this tavern and we're immediately stopped
0: by a drunk. Who wants us to share a drink with him? At this point, um, Gaunter is there sitting on the table across the room. The question I have is I don't really
1: go to bars that often, but is this something that just happens all the time? What, like random drunk people accosting you? Well, I know that random drunk people accost other people, but like in this universe, people know that witchers are a thing. Everybody
0: freaking hates them, yeah. except in Blood and Wine. Well, which is actually a nice few of the people of in the regular game are pretty pro witcher too but they're definitely the minority. Oh, they're the vast minority Which because is- everyone hates them in pretty much every area you go to. One of talking about witchers and people hating them, one of the things that I've really kind of appreciated seeing in the discussion about the TV show now that it's out is people talking about how like a lot of freelancers are like really, like see or seeing Geralt and Witchers in general as kind of like representative of of what they do because like it feels very similar. Of people want your services, but nobody wants to pay you. Everybody thinks you should be willing to do it for free, and nobody really likes talking to you or anything. It's like if you're a freelance artist or a writer or whatever else, you know. Oh, well, I think you should just draw that picture for me for free because it's a good opportunity for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I see that a lot on online, which is very unfortunate.
0: Yeah, so one thing i've enjoyed is seeing i've seen a lot of like freelance artists drawing themselves as witchers and stuff now which i think is a really fun <laughs> um, little like thing that's popped up
1: nobody wants to pay you they're just like oh well you i mean you should just be doing it cuz you love art
0: right you just love killing monsters right yeah and there there were, there were some funny um like jokes people were saying similar lines but not to get it too off or off tangent I just I really liked it that that's kind of a thing that the, that like the freelance community has sort of latched on to witchers as themselves well hey as
1: I mentioned last time I binged the entire season and I would totally watch it again because I liked it that much
0: yeah it's next on my list I got to catch up on the last like two episodes I think of the Mandalorian and then I'm diving into the witcher and what I'm really except what you haven't finished Mandalorian no didn't the last episode only come out like a week ago I feel like
1: we need to pause the entire episode just so you can go out and finish it, so you can live the rest of your life having known that it's there.
0: Oh, I already know that it's there. Don't worry about that. It's (laughs) there, and it's amazing. Okay. I've heard that. That's why it's the next thing I'm going to It is, in
1: my opinion,
0: some of the best Star Wars content that has come out in years. I, I mean... I haven't even finished it, but I would definitely agree I'm enjoying The Mandalorian more than the, the, the new trilogy, for example.
1: Oh, to, to the fact that I haven't even seen the new movie yet, and I'm in pretty much no hurry to go yeah. see it because I've already experienced The
0: Mandalorian. Yeah, I mean, you got the better Star Wars experience there. I feel pretty confident <laughs> as someone who has seen the newest <laughs> movie.
1: So we get in this bar and this drunk is immediately accosting us and going, Oh, Witcher, I have a drink with me. Suddenly time freezes.
0: And Gaunter claps his hands and time freezes.
1: Gaunter goes on and on and on
0: at great length about how time is important and time is... It's, it, it's immediate flashbacks to the, the cooking conversation at the party. Exactly, and he, he just obsesses over time, and, and in that whole... And he's scene you
1: get a chance to talk to him so can you like control time or whatever and he goes you know if you've been around as long as i have you pick up tricks and
0: i think what he said was i always found
1: time fascinating and so it became a goal yes that that all he would do is figure out how to control time and it's like okay so this dude is very clearly just not a demon at this point like i don't know what he is yet But he's definitely not a demon because I don't think demons can just straight up control time.
0: So there's the obvious thing of his initials, which I feel like had to have been there at least partially on purpose just to get you thinking in that direction, if nothing else. M.M. Master Mirror. Gaunter O. Dim. Oh, got it. Yeah.
1: You know what? It would make sense that Gaunter O. Dim would be evil in this universe.
0: Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I noticed that immediately when he kept saying things and I didn't bring it up, but because uh, I was like, that's really not very subtle. Or, are they really just up at that? But, yeah, I think they kind of are. <laughs> well, it, it, the first quest in blood and wine, the dude's initials are DLC. <laughs> oh, we, speaking of initials, we never, I, I, I meant to go back to this. And you just reminded me that thing with the tower that the teleporting tower the quest. Yeah. The, the thing that trapped the guy that was causing all these problems had the initials DRM and you solved it by getting the initials GOG, which GOG good old games, their entire motto is that there's no DRM and therefore their games are better. (laughs) And CD project red owns GOG. Oh, that's so they were literally made an entire quest advertising their video game service. Except for the fact that I would have never even made that
1: jump. Had you not mentioned it because it just wouldn't, I never would have. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was mostly... This whole, this whole... All of this is part of the reason why I love Blood and Wine so much, but... There's so many random references in Blood and Wine, I can't wait to talk about some of them when we get going. I don't even care about random references. I, I, I Even just looking at the game itself...
0: Oh, I know, I just... I, I've noticed... We're doing a disservice to the people,
1: Andrew, Right, because we should have finished
0: this last time so we could gush and gush about how great blood and wine is. To be fair, we didn't even know how we were going to feel about blood and wine last time because we barely touched it. I know.
1: But now that I know, it's like I'm chomping at the bit to talk about it. And I knew this would happen. I knew it. So so Gaunter stops time and then he goes on and on and on at great length about time and how you need to meet him at some point
0: random temple because temple of LeBiota, I believe, yeah. Yeah. Or was it Lebiota? I think so. That's that's a big person in Blood and Wine. I well Le- Lebiota's like one of the major religious figures in the world. I thought it was, but now that I'm thinking about it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the temple to be abandoned if it was that.
1: Yeah, because so I'm not really sure. Le- Lebiota is like massive in blood and wine, except for the fact that it's a completely different area. So maybe the temple of, of Lebiota
0: here is just run down. Yeah, because I get the impression that the north doesn't really have a whole lot of time for religion outside of like the random like nature spirits and stuff.
1: But it's also possible Lebiota is on your mind just because it's literally everywhere. That is
0: true. So in...
1: You're you're basically expected to go meet him at this temple. Yeah, he wants you to get um,
0: geared to go to that temple.
1: But the real thing is, when he's talking about the importance of time, he's talking about how you can manipulate it to your benefit. And then he takes a fly and throws it in the soup of some random guy. Yeah, how
0: he enjoys he describes it as playing pranks on people who deserve it. But of course, as we've seen from Gaunter, there's a whole lot more that he does than put flies in people's soups.
1: As becomes immediately evident when he takes a wooden spoon and shoves it into the eye socket
0: of the drunk of that drunk guy who happened to just interrupt him. Yeah, because he was trying to talk to Geralt and the drunk was trying to talk to Geralt and he got mad, which is why he stopped time and then straight up murders.
1: And so then time comes back in and this guy, (laughs) he immediately dies and people start to notice that. And,
0: and then that guy like,
1: you tell that guy, you're like, hey, by the way, I have the thing for... For and For yeah. gear or whatever. And he goes, there's a fly in my soup. Did you? What, what's going on? And and he goes, what is up with you? What did you say? Because I told him I had the
0: ability to stop time. I just said I was a witcher. I'm very sneaky.
1: <laughs> I told him like, yeah, I have the power of over time and I can stop time. And he goes, did you put this fly in my soup? <laughs> like,
0: no, I didn't. And then you immediately in the background hear... Ah! And I'm like, so one thing I was reading about this stuff between episodes, because I was just kind of doing some more research on on the heist. Apparently, Gaunter is in the background in most of the scenes of the heist, like that he's to strongly imply that he's the the reason why the heist went as badly as it did.
1: That actually doesn't surprise me at all, especially considering we already mentioned and and we'll get into it a little bit more in, in the next coming section. But we already mentioned that Gaunter likes to do the stuff like he likes likes it to go as long as possible and in this case he's dragging out as Geralt we do owe him yeah which he's also the one that encourages you to go see Shanti Mm -hmm. which implies that he had something to do with maybe that's why she gets upset and regrets everything Considering she was super into Geralt, I mean, it's possible that that's just her as a general person and that he knew that was going to happen. But
0: it's also very possible that Gaunter orchestrated all of it I mean, just so that
1: way Geralt could be confused at the end of the day.
0: And it is possible because he also specifically encourages you to go spend time with Shani at the end of the party and says that your qu- tasks can wait until tomorrow. Exactly. That, and that's what I was getting at yeah. when I said he specifically encourages you
1: to go see her. I thought you were just talking about like in the beginning to go get her help to... No, no, no. I'm talking about in... But but that's another thing. He encourages you to go get her help in the first place. Mm -hmm. So like, it's basically as if all of this is really culminating into... He liked messing with you. Geralt suffering as well because he obviously got some... But here's the other thing. Is Geralt just the only person he's messing with because he just happened to be the one to kill the Toad? Or did Gaunter orchestrate all of this because he's also at the very beginning and he's the one that tells you to go after Yennefer.
0: It's strongly implied at the very least that he knew it would eventually happen. Cause he, even in the beginning, he does specifically mention that maybe he would need a favor someday. So I think it at the very least, I mean, and again, clearly having mastery over time, you know, the idea that he could see the future or had come from the, fu- like, you know, gone to the future and seen it and come back or whatever. It, it easily could go either way. But to suggest that Gaunter manipulated stuff, uh, even if we don't have any evidence for it, I'm like, yeah, sure, that checks out. That sounds like him. Because it just like
1: this this whole thing, especially with assuming that this was CD Projekt's Red plan the entire time. This is just like a mastery of storytelling. This is just insane level Unless they just have the ability to pick up. They're like, oh, hey, let's pull this thread and let's have this massive story around it. No matter what they're doing, Day Project Red is great at doing
0: it. I mean, which again, just upsets me so much more about the relationship options in the main game. I think there was always a plan. For Ganter and this and the first expansion. And I think the only real question is whether or not he was always planned to be an expansion or if they just decided to turn him into an expansion as they went. Because, and I know we started to do this a couple weeks ago when we talked about Heart of Stone for the first time. This whole time, I keep thinking about the DLC to New Vegas because the New Vegas DLC all ties into plot threads that are introduced literally at the very beginning of the game, because in the beginning of the game of New Vegas, you know, the game starts because you were a courier who's supposed to send some package, and this package winds up being something that people want, and you get attacked over it, and that's how the game starts. When you go back to the courier's office, which is literally basically your first objective when you wake up, they talk about how, oh yeah, that package was originally slated for somebody else, but he didn't show up, so we gave it to you. All of the DLC winds up being about the story of the guy who never picked up that package. And it's something that got dropped in the very beginning of the original game. And that, that's what I kept thinking about with the Gaunter stuff, thinking about him in the very beginning of the game.
1: Well, and that's very possible. It, it, at the same time, it, it might have muddied the waters even more if they had him in the original game based off of well, we have to throw in romance, we have to have... Yeah. We we have to also fight the Wild Hunt because that's what the whole thing is about.
0: Oh, I know. I, just, I mean, like, the only, like I said, I think the only question is whether or not he was always originally planned to be a DLC or if he was going to be in the base game and they cut the content. Either way, they did a really good job with it.
1: Or maybe Gaunter stayed out of the way because he's afraid of Siri. That's possible. I'm
0: wondering if he actually is because I mean everybody else is basically afraid of Siri.
1: Everyone so. else is and she can apparently go through time and stuff too. So, it's just very interesting to me. That whole storyline was very interesting to me and it's just it's a testament to how good CD Project Red is with all of this stuff in general, at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at this point, he's killed the guy. And now we, now we we tell that guy to tell Olgierd to meet us at the, at the temple.
0: But at that point, yeah, you can either go straight to the temple or there's a side quest to go check up with Shani on how her research is going. Because Geralt
1: has now become interested in who Gaunter is. Mm-hmm. And Shani digs into Olgierd's past to kind of figure out what that this was all whole about. puzzle yeah. Because he
0: asked her to do that after the wedding. Yes. So she's been doing this research while you've been doing the other two wishes.
1: So she finds out that there's this professor that Olgierd worked with, and this professor more or less dedicated his life to figuring out what Gaunter well, yeah, he was. was. He was
0: already an expert in the supernatural, and the witch hunters had been using him to get information about monsters and stuff. And then Olgierd contacted him, and yeah, he like became obsessed with Gaunter, basically. And that did not go well for him. So, anyway, we talk to Shawnee, and she tells us about the Professor, and we go to Oxenfurt, which has been locked down by the Redanians, which is really confusing, because even though the DLC has really high levels of stuff, it it really seems like it basically has to have taken place before the end of the series stuff. Because otherwise, why is Redania still around in this area, with guards blocking everything? Because Redania didn't
1: lose before the end of series stuff, and series stuff was like months and months later from what i understand
0: the epilogue but like and the epilogue is where redania loses it isn't until the epilogue that redania so all the dlc takes place after the wild hunt stuff is resolved but before the epilogue is that what we're going with i would have to assume based off of what i understand because in
1: i think it's somewhere in blood and wine but i could have sworn that Geralt said yeah i defeated the wild hunt like, there's one quest line or something where he specifically mentions defeating
0: the Wild Hunt. I can't remember where it was. Okay. I mean, that probably makes sense as far as the timeline or whatever. That was just something I was thinking about is, you know, all these. You know radians- what? You haven't gotten there yet.
1: Oh, okay. And that'll tell people just how far I actually am. <laughs> <laughs> because that's very, very far
0: into blood and wine. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> Whoops. Anyway,
0: (laughs) yeah, uh, Chris kept sending me messages being like, hey, I've done all these quests. And then like 10 minutes later, an updated list of all the quests he's done. That was like quite a bit longer. You don't understand how
1: much I like Blood and Wine. I can't stop playing it. (laughs) And after I sent you the text message literally last night saying, I don't plan on playing anymore. You kept playing. I wanted to, but I didn't because I said that. I sat there thinking all I want to do
0: is play The Witcher, which is so wild considering how we all we wanted to do was anything but play The Witcher before we started the DLC.
1: That's how much I like Blood and Wine. I like it. I like it more than Heart of Stone, and I loved Heart of Stone.
0: Like I said, I haven't gotten far enough to feel like I can make that statement, but I am very much enjoying Blood and Wine.
1: Anyway, yeah. back to <laughs> well, there's specific reasons as to why I like it, okay. and and it all comes back to. CD Projekt Red in general and their ability to tell stories and interconnect everything with everything else. There's just insane
0: amounts of overlap. So <laughs> to get back to where we're actually at in our telling of this stuff. So yeah, we, we're in Oxenford and the Redanian soldiers won't let us in. But Shani talks her way in because since she's the medic who's been treating a bunch of the Redanians, she basically is like, you know, you're looking pretty good. It sure would be unfortunate if somebody uh, didn't take care of you the next time you got hurt.
1: Yeah, she had patched up his knee or leg or something, and she basically uses that as leverage to be like, so remember when I helped you? You gonna do me a solid and let me in here, or what are, you, what are we doing here?
0: So they let her in, but not Geralt, and so... She decides she's going to basically, like, sneak around to the back and help him in that way. And so you have to go around the city, and then she, like, throws a rope down for you.
1: And then he goes, where'd you get the rope? And she goes, it's a long story. Here's the thing. I want to know why there wasn't a playable mission Uh, for Shawnee to go get this rope. She says, well, you you wouldn't want to know or whatever.
0: She says a long story. It was probably literally just sitting there on, like, next to a bucket. She walks
1: in, and then she walks over to the side, and she's like, oh, sweet, a rope. Boom. And she's like, Well, okay, let me just wait like thirty minutes. It's a really long story, Geralt. And then we'll give Geralt. But in reality, she probably walked in. She did some sort of like you know, when you trade a pin up for something. She's doing she traded a pin. So you're saying there was this whole
0: side this whole long like side quest. Yeah,
1: just to be able to get the only rope that was in there. There was only one rope and it was a special rope. A special evil rope that (laughs) Please explain how the rope is evil. I need to well, know. Well, I can't. Listen, it was Gaunter Odin's rope. Okay. He needed Before he could fly and do these kind of weird things that he does in stop time, he used rope as kind of like, just, he needed to get from place to place. And, and, and it's sort of like the escape rope from Pokemon. You just kind of use the rope and suddenly you're outside of the cave. Well, this is his evil escape rope where he just kind of tugged on the rope a little bit, and suddenly he was gone. And people were like, whoa, look at this guy. Once he'd had the ability to, you know, control time, he didn't really need the rope anymore. So the rope just kind of somehow got into the professor's... Wait, he was doing research. He found it. Exactly. He found the rope. This is an evil rope. So she needed to trade up to get the evil rope. Admittedly, now... Geralt, using this rope... Is now cursed. Well, I wouldn't say he's cursed, but he's got a whole lot of evil energy that's just built up inside of him. Hopefully, his Witcher mutations are also immune to his evil energy. But, you know, this is a big deal rope. They, they don't really go into it much in the story. There's, like, books and stuff you have to read to really figure out what this evil rope is. And it's something you find in Novigrad a long time ago. So just don't even look. Don't bother looking for it.
0: So, you get inside, and then Shawnee basically excuses herself to leave and leaves you to your own devices. Probably because she's been affected by the rope. It must Th- be. This is a very evil rope. A very evil rope. And she now has to kind of cleanse herself from this evil rope. She's got to go find some holy water and just, like, bathe in it for a while. Anyway. you go cleanse the rope. Cleanse herself from the rope. Well, no. See... Because
1: she left, I think she took the rope with her, so she's going to try and cleanse the actual rope itself. Shawnee is a smart girl, and she's thinking to herself, there is going to be a point in my life where I'm going to need a rope again, and I am never going to not have a rope in this situation. So she's taking that rope, and she's going to cleanse that rope. She could easily just get another rope. She could have requested a soldier to go get her another rope, but she wants to cleanse this rope. Because it's full of evil intentions. More Maybe. so
0: because she used it for for devilish schemes. Maybe the rope is actually Gontri O'Dim all along and the body is just something someone he's possessing. That's not good. We can't give her this rope. So we then, can't then, just leave so then, and let her take this rope. So from. then
1: Shani can be the new Gontri O'Dim. She'll possess her. Oh no. This isn't good. This is a
0: whole like third, fourth game scenario. I
1: was thinking of
0: Final Fantasy XI. You remember uh, at the end of Diablo three, where they never resolved Leah being possessed by Diablo. It's that whole situation again. Yeah. Like what happened to that? Well, the villain of the fourth game from the trailer is a woman. So maybe it's her. Uh, Maybe, but I feel like that's, we're just like, Oh, well that happened. Yeah, I know. Let's
1: go. Let's keep going on. Let's keep on keeping on. (laughs) That's (laughs) all. Shawnee does. That's all Gaunter does, but he keeps on being
0: evil with his rope. (laughs) All right. Anyway, so the professor has locked himself in his, you can't get in. So you have to climb around and go in the back. If only she hadn't taken that rope. I know, right? So you climb in like the back, basically the balcony door, but it's all blocked and and jammed up because he doesn't want anybody coming in. So you have to art it to blow it out, which causes a video of a bunch of cracks going through the ceiling.
1: Because everything is cause and effect in this expansion and pretty much going forward. hmm And
0: so you go in. And I thought that was pretty strange at the time. I'm like, that's weird. I almost immediately knew what was going to happen just because I'm like, they're showing me this for a reason. And there's really only one reason they would be showing this. Yeah, it's like, uh, huh. So he, he
1: basically uses Geralt as a de facto murderer through this entire thing. But yep. You get in there and you talk to the professor, and he kind of doesn't like that you're there. I mean, obviously. Well, first he
0: thinks you're his servant
1: because he's blind.
0: Yes, and but he
1: feels you. He feels Gaunter on you. Yes, because
0: of the whole mark thing. I would have to assume. I would assume, although he seems to accept that he just feels the magic because you're a witcher. But I get the same impression that he was really feeling the result of the mark. Yeah.
1: Uh, or the fact that you were currently in his de facto servitude.
0: Yes. In a way. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, the, the mark being, yeah, a sign of his, yeah, the contract. But, so he's in this chalk circle on the floor, very, very reminiscent of the circle you're supposed to draw to trap a demon. Mm-hmm. It turns out he's been there for a real long time.
1: Yeah, like to a the year. point where, at first, he also thought that you might have been a nurse or whatever with the bedpan. Before you got close and he sensed the magic. And then he thought you were Gaunter and freaked out. Yes. And apparently he dug too deep into what Gaunter actually is and got the intention of Gaunter
0: himself, who had a conversation with him. Uh, he had already gone blind at this point. Or he made it sound like that happened during the research, but before Gonter showed up, because... It he is- did. He, he said when he was researching those books, he said he went blind because he found out
1: too much. Yeah.
0: Which is, very course- much, which is very, like, Lovecraftian elder horror stuff, where, like, knowing too much makes you go crazy. Yes. Which, again, yeah, not somebody you want to be messing with, Gonter O'Dim. <laughs> um, so... Because in his notes, he even specifically mentions, like in, in, when you read his diary, even though he was blind, he could see Gaunter. Yes. He couldn't see anything else, but he saw him perfectly fine. He saw him without... He's like, there
1: he is. I oh see no. nothing, but this guy, I've messed up. Yeah. And he talks about how Gaunter, he doesn't know he knows more than what he's willing to tell you because Mm -hmm. of
0: what's happened to him. He says, Gaunter told him that it was only fitting that because someone had taken such an interest in him, he should take an interest back. And that he drew a circle on the ground. And his reward for being so inquisitive was as long as he was in the circle, he would be perfectly safe. And he said,
1: well, he doesn't tell me that I'm exactly
0: not allowed to leave. But but he said it in a way like, that it, if I did leave... If you had heard the way he said that, you would know the consequences of leaving. And he
1: says that... And, and Geralt goes, but you're you're blind. How do you even see the line? And yeah, I can he feel said, it. I can feel it. And that every time I get close to leaving, a chill goes down my spine as if I know what's going to happen. Wow. Yeah. Did you uh, happen to read his other
0: diary? I... Guess not, because I only remember seeing one. He had another diary where he talked about his dreams. Oh, yeah. No, I did then. Okay. Yes. I thought that was the same one. Let's talk about that for a second, because he- He he started having dreams after he was in the circle. Well, he had
1: nightmares for a very long time. He had terrible nightmares every time he would go to sleep, to the point that he didn't want to sleep anymore. Yes. Then when he finally does go to sleep, he has this
0: vivid picture of a family that he's never had. And, And specifically a daughter- That and talked to him and was his daughter like to the point where he now he was excited to go to sleep because he felt like he was being rewarded now because he had this beautiful family.
1: Every single night he would be excited. It's like he didn't even want to wake up anymore. Until one night in his dream, his daughter got very sick, and he had to just sit there and watch every night as she was tormented and eventually died sicker sicker and then yeah which then he realized that all of this has just been gaunter messing with him gaunter messing with him which dude yeah and he describes gaunter in one of the things as basically evil incarnate which you know what it's hard for me to imagine much more evil. we had said in a previous episode that gaunter is by far like the most evil in the witcher series but I would go far to say is they've painted this dude in a picture that he's like
0: the most evil thing ever. It is pretty hard to think of any characters that you could argue are more evil than some of the things he does, yes. And as much, if not more importantly, that he does it just for fun, basically. And this is not the first guy this has happened to. Because he found... These
1: texts that has ancient writing in them that he went blind because he read them. Because this thing has been around essentially longer than apparently the existence of the Convergence. Mm-hmm. So whatever Gaunter happens to be, which at this point, I'm actually glad they don't really ever tell you because I don't think I want to know.
0: I mean, I feel like <laughs> in you real think, whatever life, your imagination is can paint up, it's probably going to be worse than whatever they can tell you anyway. It's, it's like the most
1: evil thing ever. Yeah. Just bit be- it's like as if evil just existed as a singular being. Yeah. And that's Gautaro Dim. But remember, I have the little tidbit of information about beating
0: him from and, the actual
1: demons. And the
0: professor does, event, like once you, convince him to, to give you some information. He does talk about how there was records of one, exactly one person who has beaten Gonter before. And the way to beat him is to basically play his game. This to, to beat him at, at his game. And essentially he cannot resist a challenge. Exactly.
1: If you specifically, it's almost like devil went down to Georgia. If you challenge him to a rock off, he's going to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And you kind of mix your metaphors there slightly, because Rockoff was Tenacious D. I know. I'm mixing a lot. He, here's the thing. Devil Went Down to Georgia, it's kind of like rock. No, but Devil Went Down to Georgia is a great song, even though I don't think I like anything else Charlie Daniels ever did, but I love Devil Went Down to Georgia.
1: Yeah, I don't. That's the only thing I know of yeah, Charlie Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't really know. I don't really know much of him other than that. And, yeah. and the devil went back to Georgia. Which isn't nearly as good. It isn't, but in that one, I think there actually is sort of a de facto rocked off. Yeah, because I think the more, devil is very much more
0: rock. Yeah,
1: in in that one, I can't I mean, remember that. rock
0: even in the first one, but yeah, but,
1: but that's why I was saying. Yeah. So it, I'm not really mixing metaphors here. It's okay. kind of all within the same song universe. But Tenacious D also had to fight the devil, but Tenacious D actually used rock to do a rock off.
0: Right, and also very importantly, just Tenacious D actually lost. <laughs> yeah unlike johnny well no they they won in the end <laughs> but they lost the rock off correct <laughs> uh so
1: i do want to point out though that the tribute to the greatest song in the universe was actually better than the greatest song
0: which was 100 percent the joke and i love that they committed to that yes but the greatest song in the world was actually pretty terrible <laughs> <laughs> and then the tribute was actually a really good song
1: i love tenacious d
0: I respect that they were willing to commit to the joke that their song was actually not good. Because <laughs> they know how to make a good song. And well, just,
1: it, okay. Unless Jack Black ever listens to this and he's like, okay, dick, <laughs> I thought the song was okay.
0: It wasn't a, it wasn't a terrible <laughs> he song. He
1: reaches it, out to you on Twitter personally to be right. like,
0: listen, uh, Andrew. All right, Jack Black, the song wasn't terrible, but we all know Tribute was better. <laughs> just saying. <laughs>
1: This is just the tribute to the greatest song in the world.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Uh, meanwhile, as you're standing there talking to him, that foreshadowing of the the cracked ceiling keeps coming back up because it keeps being rumbles and debris like coming, like dust falling. And it during it this conversation keeps happening basically the whole time because he
1: keeps getting dangerously close to the edge of the circle, the edge of the circle. And at one point, a piece of debris falls down. And he actually jumps out of the circle for a second and jumps right back in. And then the whole ceiling comes down and he
0: falls completely out of the circle and dies. Uh, Yeah. So a bookshelf starts to fall over and Geralt realizes what's going to happen and catches the bookshelf. And he trips and stumbles backwards on that debris that had fallen earlier and breaks his neck. Yep. So cool. So literally, as soon as he left the circle for any more than a moment, exactly what he was expecting happened, happened. So once again, Geralt
1: is just becoming the harbinger of death for this evil creature. Which
0: again, it goes back to Gaunter really enjoying the suffering because now at this point, Geralt has got to be feeling like he's just causing all these problems. Yep. And of course, the suffering of the professor himself in the circle. So yeah, like everything he does, he may, he drags it out on purpose because he gets more satisfaction out of it. He is just evil for evil's sake. And they do a very
1: good job of painting that picture.
0: And it is really interesting, like, as you understand the full depth of it, because like when the when it starts when the DLC starts, there's immediately this feeling that, you know, obviously, like we said from from the start, he's clearly not a good person and there's a lot more going on here. But like he doesn't come off that bad at the beginning, and it's just really interesting how as the thing goes on, you feel more and more sympathy for Old Gear and just realize more and more how horrible the
1: Well, and that's is. and that's what I'm getting at is so that's why I keep talking about CD Project Red as these, like, masterful storytellers. And, and the reason why I'm doing that is because most TV shows or something, when they want to establish that somebody is evil, they do, like, the shockingly, like, this dude has killed a kid or or this dude just murdered, like, six people in the most gruesome way possible or something like that. They literally go for the shock factor of... We can establish that this guy is evil just by having him murder somebody for absolutely no reason in the most absurd way possible. Whereas a good storyteller will put bits and bits of information out there to basically determine over time that the more you learn about the person, the more you understand just how truly evil they are. And, and, it, and it's sad that when you're looking at a TV show and they have all of this time to tell that story, so many
0: TV shows are just like, look, look at how bad they are. Well, I think a lot of that is of concern that people are going to lose interest and not make it to the payoff. And, and that's fair. And I respect that. But, yes, I agree. It can be much more effective doing it this way. And that is honestly the strength of video games if you do it right, is you can really tell the story that you can be engaged in as a person, you know like we were all talking about how great the random fulfilling these wishes actually was. And meanwhile, we're getting drip fed all this, all these important things as it goes. And so Gonter manages to get basically a whole character arc where he doesn't actually change, but like our perception of him changes so much over the course of this DLC. Exactly. And it's just video games. has a medium of storytelling that like, it's hard to compare it with anything else. If it's done well. And part of the problem is it's, Frequently not, I'm sure partially because video games is a much less mature storytelling medium than other things, but has improved with certain games that have really done it. But the thing a video game can do that none of the others can is they can effectively pull you into it in a way that there's always going to be a certain amount of distance when you're reading a book or watching a show or whatever because these are other characters, you're, you're not doing it. But when you're in the game, you are. I mean, you're not really Geralt, but like you, you, you essentially embody Girl. Mm-hmm. and so it's really easy to feel like you're a part of it in a way that you can't. There's always going to be some distance when you're just watching.
1: Well, and that's why, and that's why most movies and most television shows. I mean, you see it in anime, you see it in movies, you see it in television. The main character is almost always a generic person to basically signify which. I mean, that's how movies and everything sees us as just random Joe Smo person that
0: literally anyone can relate to. Whereas Geralt doesn't necessarily have to be that. There's a really good video. If you're listening to this and you're not already familiar with Aaron Signal, I'm surprised, but you should definitely go watch Aaron Signal. It's a great YouTube series. But he did a video talking about what does it mean to play your character and talking about like the evolution of... Player characters in games and how that's changed over time, and the different ways that like doing it this way can convey this, doing it this way can convey that. And I would definitely recommend if you have not watched Aaron signal go watch at least that one video. Shout out to Campster, who's you know obviously like I'm sure is not listening to this, but if you ever listen someday, you're awesome. I love your channel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he in, in in the video he talks a lot about that, and that's something that's kind of stuck with me. And I, that I was thinking about as we were having this conversation of Geralt is a great example of like, and a similar example would be the character in the most recent Assassin's Creed game, whichever one you pick, where they still kind of have a personality, but you get to control like the degrees of that, as opposed to being a complete blank cipher. And Geralt falls into that category too. And is one of the examples he uses where he's still Geralt. You just kind of have a choice of what flavor of Geralt he is.
1: Well, yeah. And I think that's just part of like, what you as a person want to be. No, no, no. You can't I know, really have a choice system in games without that to some degree.
0: No, sure, but I'm talking about comparing that to like, like go back to especially like the older Bioware games, like Knights of the Old Republic, where the Jedi that you're playing as basically has his personality is entirely determined by your choices. There isn't really a person there other than you. Whereas Geralt list, already has a certain baseline that you just kind of build off of the way you want to play. Well, and exactly.
1: And at a certain point that, gerald is very much not a good person but over time as a player you can almost make him a good person and i think it just i don't really know how to get back to where we were at this point other than just like so there's really no transition that we can do other than just a clean break of
0: yeah so at this point we're going to (laughs) it's time to go talk to old because we are getting this pretty hardcore uh (laughs) <laughs> Which is honestly some of my favorite stuff about this podcast is when I get to talk about things like that. I I don't. Are, are,
1: are you just ignoring my inputs here? I see how it is. Andrew, I was also talking about it. I just don't have some YouTube. I'm going to look up a YouTube link of
0: somebody who isn't that person. Okay.
1: Where they talk about the same thing. I don't care that much. We know I'm not going to do that.
0: At this point, after the professor's tragic end, it's time to go talk to Olgier at the temple.
1: Yeah. And- when I'm going to the temple, I really don't know what to think at this point because everyone has basically warned me not to get in Gaunter's way, but every part of the witcherness that I've had throughout the the main game and this game, all I actually want to do is help Ogier.
0: Yeah. I mean, as a witcher, we're supposed to deal with monsters and it's pretty hard to come up with a bigger monster than this guy. He's literally like the ultimate monster, and it's like pretty much everything
1: bad that has happened in Olgierd's existence, or everyone's existence, for all I know, could have been
0: the orchestration of Gaunter. I mean, there's certainly been plenty of examples of things like that over time, no doubt, and I kind of wish we had gotten to learn a little bit more about some of the other things you've been up to, but also, like, they've already made the point, so it, 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 going too much further than that might have been overkill, I don't know, because yeah. they clearly established, you know, don't mess with this
1: guy. And It would have been very one. interesting that e- even if it was a patch or something, which I know that would take a lot of work, so I would obviously expect this not to happen at all, but it would have been really cool that once they decided to do this whole thing with Gaunt, or whether it was their p- whole plan from the beginning with or not, to have him in the background, or like the crowd of some random video. What? What?
0: Sorry, I finish. I just I just remembered something.
1: To, to so to have him in the in the background of like different cutscenes or something that throughout the main story of the game, just bits and pieces of Gaunter just being there as if he's orchestrating this whole thing to begin with.
0: You just reminded me when you were talking. Remember the dwarves in the original game. I never played the first game. No, no, no. The the base Witcher 3 uh, on the island that we talked about. How did they get there? Where did they get that light? Yes. In the Witch my epilogue, when you're going back, and I didn't mention it because at the time it didn't even really register, when you're going back to go give the sword to Ciri, you can see those dwarves again. Gaunter is the person who gave them the light. What? Yeah, for real. Gaunter. What? Do they call him Gaunter? they don't call him that, but like. They, they they met some merchant that you know told them that they could make their wishes or whatever and they gave he gave them this light and told them it would lead them to you know their wishes coming true and they died yeah at the end of that they had a horrible all of them suffering. had horrible deaths
1: and then when the some of them actually just leave you and Siri behind yeah Okay, Gaunter so that them there. clearly implies that Gaunters not afraid in, of Siri in any way, shape, or form. So,
0: like, well, I mean, that just... It, it, to be fair, if the Wild Hunt didn't know Siri was there, he may not have either. He may just have been messing, like, because, hey, they can go suffer at this place. Because he loves that. Yes, but
1: he also is the one that... He kicked off the whole thing of telling Yennefer in yeah. the first place. What Not telling Yennefer, telling, telling Geralt where Yennefer was, how to get to Yennefer. How to get to Yennefer. Mm-hmm. Which got him involved in all this stuff that that's just that because so basically exactly what i was looking for was happening i just never
0: yeah never even when you were talking about i was like oh my god i forgot about that moment i do remember him saying
1: because when you talk to them when you're talking to them there Geralt says how did you even get here and i remember i i could have sworn yeah we talked about i remember them saying some random person gave it to them yes and that that random person was gonter oh man well, now I'm starting to like Heart of Stone all over again.
0: <laughs> and it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I'm sure it'll never be nearly as big, but like, maybe we'll run into people in blood and wine that he did something to. It wouldn't surprise me because da-
1: Gaunter has apparently done super evil things to a lot of people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like it's really a shame that nobody could see my face on this one. But I know Chris was looking at me because I was going like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my
1: God. (laughs) Andrew had that meme of the mind explosion Yeah, when suddenly when I mentioned that, his brain just like imploded in on itself. It was like,
0: oh, my God, it all makes sense now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: So back to Gaunter, um, because (laughs) as I'm on my way there, all I'm thinking is... I want to help Old Gierd, but I have no idea how. Mm. No clue how
0: it's going to happen and so you get there and the the temples in ruins you have to pass through like a cave and stuff like we mentioned earlier and then Old Gierd shows up and is like this is an oddly specific place that you requested. To which Geralt mentions yeah, it wasn't my idea. Yeah. Like, I know. At least I, I, you have the option. And I said, yeah, it wasn't my idea. And, and he goes, I know it wasn't. I'm not, I am not. I know exactly whose idea it was. So why would you meet there? Because the terms of his deal were, we have to meet again on the moon. And he's like, that's not going to happen. If this is not the moon. How is that going to matter? But Olgierd has to know. It seems
1: irresponsible for Olgierd not to have learned his lesson at this point.
0: To a lesser degree, Geralt, but Old geared as long well, as he is been around. It wasn't a matter of learning his lesson because Gaunter specifically says if you want the mark off, you're going to get him to go there and there's no discussion. I understand that. I'm just saying from
1: from an old geared perspective, and I get story level wise, he kind of has to trick him into going there. But for, 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 for Geralt's sake, But you're really going to tell me that Olgierd is so naive still that he still has not learned his lesson about choosing things carefully, that he didn't just be like, if you're telling me to go there and it makes no sense for you to tell me to go there, then that means it came from Gaunter. Why on earth would I ever go to that location? I would go quite literally anywhere else. I would never go To the location that Gaunter wants me to go to. It just wouldn't happen. If I'm in this situation and I don't want to die, which presumably, even though Olgierd has no feelings, he still understands that not being alive isn't, you know, generally helpful to him. I mean,
0: more importantly, not even just a matter of not being alive, but whatever Gaunter has (laughs) planned for him is not going to be good. So why on earth would you ever go there? I don't know. It just
1: seems like asking him to go there, because Gaunter even mentions, and and I don't know, maybe they just didn't have time to go into it. It just seems like it would have been more befitting to actually trick him to go there than just say, hey, uh, tell your boss to go to this specific location. Here are the GPS coordinates. Um, Yeah, I did think that was surprisingly direct. Because from an old gear perspective, it's like, okay, uh, my first reaction would be, no, not going to do it not not going there. I'm just not. And now that you've mentioned it as a place that I need to eventually be, we're not doing it. Geralt could have been like, hey, let's go here and then take a walk and just so happen to end up there. But no, you meet him at the exact spot and Gaunter shows up and he's walking down an invisible staircase, clapping at at the
0: great time that the three of them have had. And he intentionally calls back to when you first meet him at the crossroads, and he goes, oh, and at the end of all this, I think we'll all get together and, uh, you know, comment about what a great experience we've had together. Which it's not a great experience, and this is where you find out that all
1: says you told me we were going to meet on the moon which i thought was impossible well turns out there's just this giant crescent moon that all three of them happen to be standing on it's basically it's like a mural, a from, giant the temple. mural yeah. from the temple and Olger goes that's not the deal that wasn't it that's not what i said and he goes you just said the moon you didn't say what kind
0: this is the part where i'm going to bring up I went and did research on the actual story that the Hearts of Stone is based on about a crossroads demon that a nobleman makes a deal with, uh, and he's immortal until the terms of the deal are fulfilled. So exactly this story, basically. And the the deal is that the demon, after all of his things are completed, the demon can come collect a soul when he stays in Rome. And so, of course, the noble's like, well, I'm just never going to go to Rome. He eventually stays in an inn that happens to be named Rome in another language. And that's how the demon gets him. Which sounds about right. Yeah, I
1: don't have to specify. You have to choose your words carefully, like you were mentioning in the last episodes. And how Olgeard doesn't get it at this point, I don't know. But I also think now I'm... you have a choice: watch whatever unfolds, which is bound to be horrible, or save Olgeard. And I have a question for you. And I think you already know what that is. But I do. what did you do?
0: Like I said last episode, when this DLC started, I never possibly thought I was going to wind up feeling like I needed to help Olgeard, and yet that's exactly what I did when the time came. As did I? Because I don't care how bad Olgeard is. He's he's a bad guy who's done bad things. Gaunter is infinitely worse. And a lot of the bad things he's done are because of Gaunter.
1: Well, and that's specifically what I was going to mention because most of the bad stuff that he has done has all been as a direct result of what Gaunter has done. Yeah, he did a bunch of bad stuff when he was alive. It sounds like his entire family did that. But again, yeah, he sounds like he was a like relatively a, normal Skelligan, basically a roaming bandit Skelligan guy.
0: Yeah, which which is ideal, but is not, not
1: good and yeah. not ideal, but it, it is what it is. In in this universe, as it were, but Gaunter, it doesn't matter how bad Olgeard was. I don't want him to win. Yeah, because he is far and away more mega evil than Olgeard could ever possibly be. Whether we save Olgeard from the chains of servitude or not, because even at the end of this, it also implies that Olgeard is going to get his heart back aka his emotions oh it's not even implied that definitely happens but we'll cover that well that happens but what I'm saying is it would make sense that after this whole thing is over that he's no longer immortal and he gets him what makes him human back yes. so I also chose to help him and we basically get transported so, into this weird hellscape puzzle m- thing.
0: There was a moment, though, before then, where when Geralt says he challenges him for both of their souls, because at this point, Gaunter says, you know, okay, you're done. You can leave. Like, you're free now. You, we fulfilled our bargain. And then Geralt says, no, we'll play for souls. And like, if you win, you get both Ogierd's and mine. If you lose, then you have to leave. And Gaunter goes, what? Do you think we're going to play a round of Gwent for it? Yeah, man. Yes. Because I will destroy you. He's like, no, if we're doing this, we're doing it on my terms. Because he knows he can't beat Geralt and Gwen.
1: He knows it's not going to happen. So the Geralt's merciless. I mopped the floor with Shawnee and everyone else, including, I forgot. You can play Gwent with all gear. Yeah. You do, and I destroyed him, just like everybody else. Although I will say, the first time I fought a Skelligan deck is like the first time
0: I've almost lost. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that, but Since wow. I first encountered the monster the, deck. The, the Skelligan deck is absurd, and we will talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> My first encounter with a Skelligan hero... Almost completely cost me the game. <laughs> Which is hilarious because we're like, yeah, we
1: almost
0: lost. The first time I encountered a monster deck, it completely wrecked my face. But if I didn't have, you know, a massive deck that can completely destroy the main game, it would have beaten me.
1: Yes. If this if this had been, like, if I had been doing this before I had gotten, like, the 16 heroes that I had, I would have been like, how is it even remotely possible to beat this thing? This is insane. Yeah. So So he must have had a Skelligan deck, so he was pretty uh
0: <laughs> So yeah, he teleports you to another dimension. Sounds like it's basically just like a little pocket reality he just sort of has for fun.
1: That just has like burning hellscapes and you know, there's lava pits of of flowing lava water at the bottom, and it's just literally like probably what you would think hell is like.
0: Yeah, it's it's a great, great place. And then he he, he says The game is he's going to tell you a riddle and you have to solve the riddle within the time limit and you win. Once again, I have to say, Geralt's really slow on the uptake on this riddle. Well, not necessarily because
1: it depends on whether you make pit stops or not.
0: I guess that's true.
1: Because you also have multiple, before you even get transported, you get the option to hear the riddle over and over and over, which I did multiple times. And mind you, I also had the benefit of the clue from the demons. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I knew, I, I figured it out pretty much right away. I listened to it two or three times just to make sure, but I was immediately like, oh, okay, it's a mirror. So
1: at first I kind of thought it was like being young or old or something because it kind of talked about like like old people or like, I at first I thought it was all around time because the whole thing has been about time. But then I quickly did realize, it's like, okay, it's got to be a mirror. He's also master mirror. It makes right, sense.
0: I, I, that was kind of my thought I was like, that's really not very subtle. <laughs> So then the first thing I did was like book it right to
1: the house because I'm like, where else are you going to find Amir?
0: Did you uh, make a pit stop to save Shani?
1: The first time I went through, yes, because so, even if you lose, it still basically kicks you right back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just get stuck like in the... It's basically
0: like, a ne- it's, it's one of those things where the game is like, no, 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 you, you it's can't a, you, lose You get a it. game over and you load and you're right back there. Yeah. Yeah, because there's also monsters and stuff that he throws at you and you really don't get a ton of time.
1: And I didn't, I completely just ignored all the monsters, but I did attempt to save Shawnee and then, um, uh...
0: Yeah, yeah. so you're running by and Shawnee's like standing there screaming and the whole time Gaunter's taunting you, which is pretty great. Mm -hmm. And she's not super far out of your way. Like, I mean, you kind of have to go past her to continue on the path you need to take anyway. There are multiple things that are
1: on your way that you just, that are all kind of like shown up in like a golden, like, it's basically like, hey, quest here. Mm Mm-hmm. And there are multiple of those things. And each, at each one of them, Geralt kind of says, There's no way this would beat him, and that can't be it, or whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. he, he like go run through the riddle and be like, It only answers like this half of it, or whatever. That's not right. Yeah. But that if you run up to Shawnee, like she's hanging off the edge of a cliff over like a death pit and screaming for help. And then she just looks at you and lets go. And then Gaunter just starts laughing. He's like, I can't believe you fell for that. No. She laughs as Gaunter. Like his voice
1: is coming through her. And I was like, "Cool." well, let's keep going towards that house and keep getting attacked by specters. That's cool.
0: And then you get there and you see the mirror at the end of a long hallway, which immediately huge long hallway that you're just running down. Like something's going to happen. You fall through the floor. You do. And he laughs and says, you didn't think it was going to be that easy. Did you?
1: (laughs) Which is hilarious. You didn't think it would be that easy. Did you? Yeah, for a second there, I kind of did.
0: Like, here, here's, the th- <laughs> here's the thing about the whole finale with Gaunter. It's really interesting because this guy is essentially, you know, beyond genies or whatever else, basically omnipotent for as far as we can tell. Mm-hmm but he does this game because, like, there's still a way to win because I guess he just wants this. Like, if there was no way to win, it wouldn't be satisfying for
1: him. It would be pointless because if he couldn't, it would be a pointless game. There would be no satisfaction in it at all. It's like, if I were
0: to... He he clearly seems to be a guy who appreciates giving you the chance and watching you mess it up. There wasn't actually a chance to win. There would be no fun in it. And it's just like playing video games or something mm.
1: it's like if you go out there if you go in and you activate god mode sure you might get through the game really fast and sure you might like destroy everything but where's the satisfaction of winning yeah. for me it's completely gone if it's literally just a one hit kill it's like why was i even here what's even the point of this it's almost like playing gwen until you run into that skeleton deck and you're like oh man <laughs> I got to get one of these. Everything I've ever known is a lie. (laughs) And so you keep running across these mirrors.
0: And and they they all shatter before you get to them. To which I have to say. If you do it enough times, which I thought was really funny. Geralt's like, you can't keep doing this forever. And he goes, really? I definitely can. And that is
1: the part where I kind of lost the first time. Because I ran out of mirrors and I had no idea where else to go. And I was just... Like, okay, well, next time I just have to book it towards the house again. And I guess the question is, if anyone hasn't played the game, do we want to go in what the actual answer
0: is? I mean, at this point, yeah, because it's not like we haven't spoiled a bunch of other stuff. Okay.
1: So I go back out to where there's a fountain and I'm like, I don't understand what's going on.
0: And I guess I just happen to get lucky because turns out the answer is water. Yeah, so if you run past the wall by the fountain, Gerald actually comments that he can hear water on the other side.
1: Yes. And then it's like, oh, you can see a reflection in the water Unbroken
0: glass. Yeah, it's glass. Duh! It's glass that he it's a reflection that he can't break. Exactly. And I'm like, oh, OK, so then you are yeah, you break the wall and the water comes rushing in and then you just look down in the fountain and you win. Mm hmm. And Geralt sees his reflection, and then the reflection turns into Gaunter, and Geralt reaches into the water and grabs Gaunter. And what happens
1: next is, like, Gaunter just starts clapping as his body is slowly burning away, and he's giving you this
0: ultimate evil look. And he starts talking in some other language that is not subtitled for, like, one of the only times in this game. And I'm like, man, this is not good. I went and looked up what he says. Oh. It's basically just the, okay, you've won now, but it's not like I'll be, you know, eventually I'll be back and things like that. Like, it's just a pretty typical, like, villain. What language was it? I think it was, I think it's supposed to be Ol- Olfieri again. Okay. Um, But I-, I think the actual language was some variation of Arabic, because I think that's what Olfieri was also based on when I was reading it. Okay. Which is clear because, like, they have a very Middle Eastern, like, sort of look yeah. So, the Olf- yeah. so I already kind of figured that it was basically, like, you know, from that... Region to use the real world example, and I, but I believe Gaunters speaking the same language they spoke. Okay, basically just the typical villain, like you know, you won, but I, you know, this is only temporary, and I'll be back, and all that good stuff. Which cool. However, if you read the quest log, Dandelion specifically says Geralt never saw him again for the rest of his life, so it implies that he's going to be gone for generations.
1: So this thing basically goes away for an extended period. This is how you beat it for a while.
0: Right. So that's probably the same thing that happened to the other guy. He left for a while. And then by the time he came back, maybe people didn't really remember the weird, like, Gaunter Dam anymore. Interesting. But yeah, because I went in and looked. Since there was no actual epilogue, I went in and read the epilogue for the quest because the quests are still written by Dandelion in the log. He just doesn't narrate anymore. I didn't even know that there was an epilogue. There's not not specifically an epilogue, but if you go into your quest log... It's all writ- notes written by Dandelion about the quest. Yeah, no, I know that. I just didn't know that there was something for the very end. It, I mean, it, if you go to like the main, it's just the final thing for the whatever quest that was. Yeah. But yeah, Dandelion basically says, you know, he defeated Gaunter and Gaunter insisted he would be back, but Geralt never saw him again for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. But I do like that even when he's not narrating it, like even the notes are written by Dandelion. I thought that was a cool touch. Which I didn't know that. Yeah because yeah, When you read the quest, they all make it very clear that it's being written by somebody else about Geralt. And if you read the quest about Dandelion, he eventually says me. So it's very clear that Dandelion is oh, the one who's writing okay. all these quest notes. Like, I think the idea is like it's like a, a book he's writing us outside of just the songs or whatever. And which makes
1: sense because he basically is like devoted his life to telling Geralt's story.
0: Did it throw you off that apparently he they used his original name in the show? By the way, it did. It, it
1: really threw me off because I was like, "What is this?" And then I just kind of looked it up, and I was like,
0: "Oh, okay,
1: that makes sense." So basically, dandelion was just like a random alias English... that he just. Well, no, it's to just eat. the
0: English translation, and because it, as I understand it, jaskier is the Polish word for dandelion. Okay, so they just gave it the literal translation when they translated it to English.
1: Oh, okay. When they could have just kept his same name, yeah. but.
0: But they just actually translated the word, which they didn't do for most of the other characters for whatever reason.
1: Yeah. Maybe it's because you mostly always talk to Dandelion, and so then when they were just doing a general translation, it just, like, it copied and pasted.
0: Because I think the books <laughs> did the same thing and translated his name directly to Dandelion. Okay. And they brought him out in English.
1: Interesting. Why only him? But I don't
0: know. I think it might be the only name that has a literal translation, whereas the others are more names so that don't translate
1: it. Maybe Dandelion. it's because he's closer to a main character.
0: I don't know. I mean... Who knows? But yeah, so I guess if you didn't know that, people who on the internet who are listening to this, Jaskier is Dandelion.
1: Yes. Well, it's very clear from right. the show anyway. I know. Because I kept referring to his, his Dandelion, and then he kept saying something else, and I was like, what? And so then I looked it up. Basically, Google was like, immediately, yeah, he's Dandelion. Like, well, I already knew that, but like, why? But that's why. So then you get back, go back to the real world, and you have an opportunity to talk to, uh... Olgaard. Old who basically says, like, I don't really know what I'm going to do.
0: He definitely makes it sound like he's going to try to devote the rest of his life to trying to make up for the terrible things he did. Because he immediately feels guilt about everything. Not only
1: that, but he also said that he's not going to go back to where he was at. Mm -hmm. He's basically leaving his fortune and whatever the wild ones are behind. He's basically leaving everything behind, and he's going to start from square one and try to atone for the things that he did.
0: And then he gives you his sword, which, oh my God. Which Geralt specifically says, I can't take this.
1: I can't take this over and over and over. And he's like, I absolutely insist. And that sword. I'm still using it. I'm not.
0: I have not found anything that does nearly as much damage as uh, Iris, which was the name of the sword.
1: Mm -hmm. I used it for a while. I did use it for a long time. I don't use it anymore.
0: I mean, I've upgraded all my other gear going into it, but yeah, I still have Iris. Why well, I use Grandmaster gear now. I haven't made the Grandmaster gear yet. I'm using the Viper set currently. The, the ones you buy from the lady in Heart of Stone.
1: I'm using the Ursine set because the Ursine set actually has a set bonus. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. There's good. I just haven't made the Grandmaster stuff yet. But, I mean, I, it's on my list to do, but... Well, even the Viper stuff doesn't... At
1: least it shows in my list as not having a set.
0: Yeah, because there's... Well, there's no... There's not levels to it like there were the others. There's just the Viper set. Yeah. There's no... Because all the other schools have, like, all the way up through all the different ranks.
1: But none of them can get Grandmaster. So that's what I'm saying. I don't think the Viper set can get no, Grandmaster. I don't think it can. Uh, because that wasn't a school.
0: It it was. The plot of Witcher 2. Well, it 2, wasn't a
1: school in that had Grandmaster gear.
0: The, the ultimate villain, the actual person who was the assassin in Witcher 2, the, the Assassin of Kings, was a Witcher who was from the Viper school and was trying to restart the Viper school because they'd been destroyed. That was his mm-hmm. motivation. Well, so, I mean, so I mean, I, I know in I know the quest saying. line for
1: Grandmaster Gear, right, it's right. not a, no, one of the schools, right? Is what I'm trying to get. I,
0: I know. I was I was just elaborating that like Viper School is one that used to exist but doesn't anymore.
1: Yeah, the, one of the first things I did is
0: immediately go out and get Grandmaster Gear because I mean it because the Grandmaster Gear has actual like set bonuses, like the sets in Diablo and stuff, where you get a bonus for having multiple pieces of the same thing,
1: and it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And here's the thing, and to surprise literally no one. I'm definitely using the mod that allows me to have multiple sets except for the fact that the only reason why I'm using it is so that way I can use a different sword and still get the 200% bonus to Quinn um because I guess we're now fully in in I mean in at this, this point
0: I don't know how far we want to dive into Blood and Wine because we went quite a ways into Heart of Stone but yes. Yeah, I'd like to do a little
1: bit of Blood and Wine um specifically the first parts of it especially considering we've already talked about like grandmaster gear and stuff. Yeah, so the first- so I guess the question is How did you, before we get into the first few quests of Blood and Wine, what did you think about Heart of Stone
0: in general? I mean, I know we've kind of gushed about it over the last couple episodes, but. Heart of Stone was really interesting because unlike basically everything else that's happened in the game so far, even the stuff with Ciri and things, the game was really about Geralt. Heart of Stone isn't. It is very much about Gaunter and Olgierd. Yes. Geralt is basically just the means by which they tell the story. You really are not. You're the means that Gaunter and Olgierd used to interact with each other, but it could have been anybody. It didn't need to be Geralt specifically.
1: Well, Even in a sense, even in the base game, once you find Ciri, it really becomes all about her.
0: And yet, to an extent, but I don't think it did the way Heart of Stone did.
1: I would agree that Heart of Stone does it to more of a degree, but once you get into Act 3, it's basically solely about Ciri. Because that's when all of your decisions about what happens to Siri really come to fruition.
0: I I agree, but, like, I guess where I'm going with this is, like, you needed Geralt and Triss and Yennefer and all these specific people to be able to do the specific things they can do. Anybody could have theorized—I mean, maybe not anybody, because you had to be strong or whatever, but, like, anybody could have fulfilled these wishes. It didn't have to be Geralt, is what I'm getting at.
1: I, I guess I would agree and disagree, because— even with the Siri quest line, like, there's other people in the universe. Like, there has to be other people that could have potentially done that. Like, it could have gone. If, if Geralt, if a normal person has the capacity to beat the Wild Hunt, I mean, I guess you're right. To to a degree, like, Siri was really the only
0: person. I mean, Siri's the only person who was absolutely irreplaceable, obviously, for that to go down. But, yes. But, like... So much of the game, as you go into the finale, is specifically about, like, Geralt and the connections Geralt has made as he goes and requests allies and things like that. Okay. There isn't any yeah. moment like that where, like, it comes back to the things Geralt has done in Heart of Stone. Any, obviously, anybody isn't right, or isn't the right way to say it, but I can't think of a better way to say it in that Gaunter could have gotten anyone to do this. It didn't have to be Geralt. Geralt was just convenient. But to
1: a lesser degree, I mean, I, I, I also think that because it's a smaller medium and they had less time to tell the story, it could have made Geralt more important. But
0: I, 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 I agree you, that I'm glad it didn't. Yeah, I was going to say, I should be clear, that wasn't a complaint. I actually really like that Geralt was kind of just a means for them to tell this story. It wasn't Geralt's story. Geralt was just there. Yes, Exactly. I actually thought that was a nice change of pace. Now, if Blood and Wine tried to pull the same thing, I would probably find it annoying. But in the context of this one expansion, I thought it worked very well.
1: Well, then you might find bits of Blood and Wine annoying.
0: Bits is one thing, but I mean, like, I, I'm talking like, if the entire Blood and Wine story was basically, "Why is Geralt here?" The way Heart of Stone is, that would probably get to well me because a bit. Blood and Wine is also very
1: much not about Geralt. Yeah, it's very much Geralt. is just finds himself in this situation. So, so the first part of Blood and Wine, I guess, unless we have anything else to go over, well, I guess for Heart of Stone. You,
0: well, same thing to you, talking about like your overall thoughts. Like you just asked me, I'm pausing because it, it's. I really
1: like Heart of Stone storytelling wise. It's definitely shorter than Blood and Wine because there really are no side quests or anything like that. Yeah, there was very
0: little side quest. It, like there were like two or three, and that's it. And here's the thing,
1: it's not like I'm expecting them to do, like, basically a main game for a DLC. That's not what I'm getting at, but now that I have Blood and Wine for a comparison, it's kind of like, I can see why this one's kind of ignored, because it's it's much shorter than Blood and Wine, at least in my
0: experience. It is also important to remember that Blood and Wine was actually two DLCs. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, it came out as Blood and Wine Part 1 and Part 2. Oh, Okay. Because it's actually a three DLC set, but it's just Blood and Wine 1 and 2. Oh. So, I mean, not that I disagree with what you're saying, but it is worth keeping in mind, it was sold as two separate pieces, so it should be expected to be at least twice as big. So that makes sense then.
1: But the other thing is, not having any side quest. The the reason why I like blood and wine so much is because the side quest teaches you lessons that you have got to learn for the main quest. And if you don't get it, you're going to mess up. I used to be very meticulous. When I played games, I would search every corner, read every bit of dialogue, do every bit of everything that you could possibly do. Basically the entirety of the main game of Witcher and the entirety of Heart of Stone, I just kind of flew by the seat of my pants. Every once in a while, if you were given, like, that dude's diary, every once in a while, I would read content like that. But for the most part, like, pretty much all of the posts on the boards or anything like that, it was just, I go to a board, I hit XXXXXXX, X, 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 and then I move on with my day. Or, I guess, A, since I'm using an Xbox controller. And in Blood and Wine you basically have to consume every bit of content for every single little thing you do or things are going to turn out bad. And what you actually want, it, the storytelling in Blood and Wine is so intertwined with one another that when I sit there and I try, I shouldn't compare the two, but it's hard not to with as far in to Blood and Wine as I am right now. It's hard for me to not compare them. And the lack of side quests is definitely a little disappointing because they could have had more side quests like Shawnee and and like the wedding. Because pretty much the only side quests you get are that one Shawnee thing where you learn about the guy and that wedding. They could have had.
0: The wedding isn't a side quest.
1: The wedding is not a side quest, but all the stuff within the wedding could be considered a side quest. So, only because I'm
0: trying to grasp at s- straws. I was about to say, there there are a couple. There, I mean, there's not very many by any stretch, but there was going and recollecting the plans for the merchant. There was the stuff with the runesmith was a side quest, although, other than the emerald was mostly just give me all the <laughs> money. That there's one side quest that we never talked about. Yes, there's the go help the alchemist that we avoided. And then there's the go find out what happened to the lady's friend. So there are a few. There's just not very many. So let's talk about the alchemist for a second,
1: because there's a very important detail that is very easily missed that I remember when I texted you about it. I was like, yo, don't just leave. Mm -hmm. And blood and wine does this constantly. It does the same thing that the very beginning mission that we had, one of the very first missions once you get out of the main area, when you go to that guy and he claims that he's a merchant that was bringing the medicine in and he claims he was attacked by monsters or something, Mm -hmm. and then you go search around and you're like, "Let me." the quest tells me to go back to him, but something seems off. Let me look around. You look around and you get more information and you find out well, he actually murdered the, the dude. Marching. And then you can go back and confront him about that. So mm-hmm. Blood and Wine does that a lot, but we have an instance of that in
0: Heart of Stone which you get to this old couple. So the 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 context here is there's an alchemist who asked for help who his assistant has gone missing. He sent him off to go get some herbs and he hasn't come back. Yes. And so you go follow the trail and yeah, you get you come to this It leads you to this basically abandoned
1: village where there's only two people there. Yeah. And you have the option to talk to them and have, have different dialogues. But the way I did it was I basically said, so um, what's I know the alchemist came through here. What happened? And they basically give you this story of, well, he was hurt. He stopped in here for a little bit
0: and, and rested. And then he went out again. Yeah. And then he went along his merry way and he, and, and I believe what they say is we warned him not to go because of the wolves, but he insisted he had to. And Geralt even says, if he was wounded, why would he keep
1: going? Because you have the option to press them a little mm-hmm. bit of, well, that doesn't really
0: Makes add sense. up. Yeah.
1: And they just kind of give you the same thing over and over. And I think Geralt even
0: has the opportunity to ask them, why are you two still here if. And I, I think their answer on that one is basically we're too old to try to move at this point. Which you could have moved with everybody else. Again, none of this is adding up. And so because of
1: that, the quest line just ends. It says, go back and talk to the guy and basically say, like, he was eaten by wolves or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there thinking, none of this makes any sense. So I'm going around to every one of the abandoned houses and kind of checking things out. And I eventually get back to their house. And I notice that there's a door
0: that is being blocked by some random debris. I think at some point you can also pick up a scent. Yes. it leads you back there because Geralt smells something.
1: And you are the door and you go down and... It's their uh, basement. Their murder basement. Yes. Content warning. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, they um, are into extracurricular meets. <laughs>
0: that is a really weird way to describe what that... Well, I don't really want to no, I, go much I know, farther but into it. Extracurricular than that. is such a strange way to say it, but I yeah, because
1: they are into some strange stuff, and then you have the option to go back and confront them about this. And my question to you is, did you kill? Them? Oh, absolutely. Thank you, because there was no way I was leaving there without tying up this little loose end.
0: Yeah, because you get the option of basically being like, if you swear to never do this again. I'll let you live or, yeah, no, you're going to die. And, and I was that's like, basically
1: like Horson junior. Do you swear to never do these terrible things that you're doing again? Yes. I promise. I'll never do it. stab.
0: Yeah. You're lying. Yeah, exactly. You're like, just
1: no. lying to me. We're, we're not doing that. It's unless I suddenly decide to like hole up in this town and live here forever in this weird abandoned murder town where it kind of implies that you maybe did this to everyone else
0: that was here see the the wild thing about that the more i think about it is how did that go down because like surely the neighbors would have noticed people disappearing one at a time
1: my guess is because there are monsters and wolves and stuff it was so easy people just want to believe the easy solution From a human aspect, people want to believe. They don't want to believe that this old couple is capable of something so terrible. And they don't want to believe that something like this is actually happening because it's so unfathomable from a human perspective to think that anyone would ever do that. It's just easy to be like, oh, yeah, it was definitely it had to be a monster. And then I'm sure some of the people actually did move away because of all disappearances. And the, the old couple might have said, yeah, well, we're too fragile to move or whatever. And maybe that actually did happen. Because from a human condition perspective, it's just easy for people to believe the, the most common solution of, well, yeah, it was just monsters. And especially in this universe where there actually are monsters. Oh, yeah, it's super easy to believe that a monster did this. Because that's the alternative to a human is capable of something so terrible. Yeah. So that's what I, because when I sat there and I thought about that for a long time, because I'm like, how, just like you on earth, did anyone possibly think that that was like not going on? And then I'm like, of course they wouldn't. I wouldn't. If, if random people were disappearing where I'm at, I'd be like, well, there's probably like a, I I don't know. I, I mean, monsters don't exist in the real world. So I would have to assume that it's just somebody being evil. But like, if there were monsters, the easy thing to believe is, well, it can't be the humans that are doing it because when we have to deal with monsters, it's like, why wouldn't it be the monsters? Have you ever seen the
0: burbs? uh no it's a really good movie and you should watch it this conversation reminded me of that it's a dark comedy it stars tom hanks and actually carrie fisher is his wife um and he's convinced that the new people who just moved in across the street are murderers and he's like determined to find it out and everybody thinks he's nuts huh it's a really good movie actually i might have seen it but it would have been a long yeah it would have been a long and he, time he like ago. ropes in a couple of his neighbors and then you know try to go break into the neighbor's house and find things out and stuff you, you should see it but this whole conversation reminded me of that, like, of the fact that, yeah, like, nobody wants to believe that people might be doing something.
1: Yeah, and it's like, well, okay, well, that guy's generally nice to me every single day. Why on earth would it be them?
0: Yeah, and I mean, you see it all the time in the news, you know, so, oh, they arrest somebody. And it's like, oh, he was such a nice guy. It's like, I would have never expected yeah, it to like, be. I mean, well, well, of you're course. Right. That is human nature. People tend to not believe those things. Because they don't want to. It's easier to believe
1: that it's not happening than to sit there and be paranoid about every little thing. Because when people are paranoid, it's like, oh, well, that guy's just crazy. Mm-hmm. I it wouldn't possibly be me. Not that I'm sitting here saying that all paranoia is good or anything like no, no, that. No, no, no. It, it,
0: it frequently isn't. But, like, yeah, that conversation is reminded me of, like, the, you know, the fact that, like, neighbors don't want to believe.
1: Without hard evidence to the contrary, right. it's very hard to believe something is going on whether it is or isn't. And it's just easier from a human perspective to be like, well, that person would not be that evil.
0: And and generally, you know, it's good that we don't believe these things because you don't want every time there's a slightly weird person to immediately jump to the conclusion that that slightly weird person. Yeah, because paranoia would run rampant in the streets. Exactly, It'd be like, you would never want to
1: interact because the other part of being human is interacting with other people. Yeah. Like, we work in IT, and we've talked about it before. Like, I go nuts when I can't, after these past holidays, when I finally got to go back to work, it's like, ooh, finally. I finally get to talk to other people that aren't Andrew and my wife. (laughs) 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 They're...
0: There are, I've seen a couple things like articles talking about how the rise of the true crime podcast has made people more paranoid because, you know, they tell the stories, well, nobody saw it coming or whatever. And so now people who get really into these are convinced that every random person around them is secretly up to something. And it's like increasing paranoia. And I don't know that that's good because, you know, the vast, vast, you'll probably never run into anybody who's like that at all. So I guess, yeah, the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, okay, I totally get why they wouldn't buy it
1: the vast majority of the people are not that
0: yeah and so turning around and not trusting anybody because and if you live your entire life in fear of the possibility well, that's what kind of life yeah, is yeah exactly that? at that point you're not living you're just yeah so so it is
1: so yeah the- from, from that perspective it is very easy for me to see why any of those people especially in a universe that quite literally has monsters wouldn't just say Oh, yeah, it's entirely possible that a drowner got these people. Yeah. And that we're not going to see them again.
0: Or wolves or whatever. Yeah. That's very possible. The the more I talk about it, the more I realize that, no, it actually does make a lot of sense. And and Andrew, I know I've been insisting on
1: talking about blood and wine, but, ah, wow. I, I really can't think of a better way to end the podcast than what we just talked about.
0: And really, I feel like it says a lot, both about the level of, you know, how much we've gotten into The Witcher and... Even if it is the less good of the DLCs, how good Heart of Stone really was that we've now filled three full episodes just talking about
1: it. Because even just that, even just that. So like when I was talking about Blood and Wine, I don't trust anything or anyone, good or bad. Whether or not, I just don't trust anything anymore. So I'm basically the paranoid, like, conspiracy theorist Geralt going around not believing the information that I'm being given. Because I'm like, nothing seems to be as it seems in Blood and Wine. And I've learned those lessons from Heart of Stone and from the main game and everything else. And so I'm kind of the, (laughs) I've painted this picture and maybe I should start playing Blood and Wine by the seat of my pants. Just going whatever and doing whatever I want.
0: There's been a couple, yeah, interesting moments. I'm not as far as you, but I have played a fair bit of Blood and Wine, and there have definitely been a couple of moments that are interesting as far as, like, jumping to conclusions and stuff. Yes, it is very much. The alchemist quest that we just talked about and the
1: Merchant, the medicinal quest from the first game. Which is very early because it's the tutorial area still. Is almost every quest in Blood and Wine. Every single quest you do is almost, like, you're presented in a way that you have to do something and you almost never have to do it that way. And I can definitely see, you know, in even just side quests.
0: I really appreciate that, like, the level of detail that is going into everything in this. Obviously, if the entire full game had been like this, that would have been impossible, essentially, in terms of. There's no way. Right. It, 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 DLC is
1: where they have the opportunity to be like, these are amazing ideas that we had that we really want to go
0: into. Yeah. And just have fun with. And. Well, so now that we're officially diving into blood and wine next time, what are your expectations?
1: My expectations are paranoia, conspiracies, not trusting anything, and (laughs) consuming every bit of information I can possibly consume. What I really can't wait for is I know how I ended pretty much every single quest, and I feel like For the most part, minus several large decisions and and even some smaller ones, for the most part, we've kind of played the games the same way. So I kind of feel like a lot of our quest lines are going to end the same, but it it is going to be very interesting to me that if you actually get everything in some of these quests that you can, based off of whether or not you actually read and did
0: everything. So, yeah. What are your expectations going into blind? Well, again, now that we're talking about this, I'm having one of those moments that feels very similar to that realization that I had horribly messed something up from a couple of the previous. Not that I can think of any specific time, but the fact that you're emphasizing that this happens like basically every time, I'm like, wonder how many times I missed something. So it'll be interesting. <laughs> I mean, I like to think I've been pretty thorough, but I'm trying to think. And so now I'm fully expecting I'm going to discover stuff. And it's possible that you might not. It's just there. There's just so much
1: to Blood and Wine, and and not all of them are exactly like those two quests. It just seems like a lot of the quests are intertwined in a way that you wouldn't expect, based off of something that you. So basically, based off of one of the side quests that you can do, and it's just there. There's more going on in the background. Like yeah, we. I, I can go into a little bit more detail as we start talking about quests and stuff next time.
0: Okay. Like we mentioned last week, you can find the links to our Twitter and our email and all our contact information in the descriptions of each episode. And with that, Andrew, I miss Yennefer.